Thanks for joining us. This is the Oklahoma Youth Podcast, and we hope that you'll be blessed by today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, share this episode with your friends, and leave a five-star rating and review. For more information on our ministries and events, visit oklahomayouth.org. And now, let's enjoy today's episode together. who have gathered here tonight, we honor you. Mark chapter 8, in our reading tonight, we'll be reading about Jesus taking his disciples into the wilderness. How you campers say the wilderness. You know, if Jesus was going to take me anywhere, I would ask him to take me to Six Flags. Or Disney World. But here is Jesus taking his disciples in a dry desert. Doesn't make sense, does it? Here's what it says in verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat. Everybody say, that's a problem. Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they've now been with me in this desert, he is saying, for three days without anything to eat. He said, if I send them back to their houses... He said, they will faint. Everybody say faint. That's a fancy word for saying they will die on their way back to their houses because they're hungry. They're looking for something to eat in this wilderness. Then he turns to them. And his disciples answered in verse 4, from whence can a man, where can you find food in this wilderness? Where can you find bread in this wilderness? And then Jesus asked them a question Look up here. Every camper in this house tonight, he's asking you this question. How many loaves do you have? What do you have in your life right now? And they answered him, well, we have seven loaves. Tonight, I'm not going to cloak what I'm going to preach about. I am preaching about the call of God. That is what I'm going to preach to you tonight about the call of God. It is bigger than any of us in this room. The call of God is bigger than any of our plans. The call of God is the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. And it's going forth in this place tonight. And all you got to do, here's all you got to do is just surrender. Give up. Surrender the bread. That's what I'm going to preach about tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to hear about surrendering. We're going to hear about surrendering the bread to the call that is on our life, to the God who is calling our life forward right now. Come on, can you, can you one more time close your eyes and just begin to focus on the presence of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for being here tonight. I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done already this week, God. But now we've come to the place, Lord. Where we want to feel your heartbeat in this place tonight. And God, we want to be moved with compassion about the lost in the wilderness like you are moved. God, with compassion. And I pray, Lord, that your call would go forth. And that these campers would answer that call tonight and surrender everything to you. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, you know sharing is... 
one of the most basic elements of human kindness and decency that exist. Sharing is the lesson that you were hopefully taught early in life. And hopefully you've learned along the way that it's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to share than it is to receive. Somebody say amen. Someone once accurately said it like this, that sharing, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. You guys ready? That sharing is? You guys are good. You guys are good. Sharing is caring. Now, I must admit to you that I try to share, and I try to practice the art of sharing. But when it comes to Chick-fil-A, I struggle. Anybody, anybody witness that you kind of struggle with share? Okay. And when it comes to, here, here it is, it's been here every night. I just can't get this anointing off me. When it comes to Krispy Kreme donuts, I have a hard time sharing. Or when it comes to sharing my snow cone, mm, I don't know. You guys just pray for me. I'm still a work in progress. And so, and so it's true that tonight if sharing is over here, on the opposite end of the stage would be hoarding, would be keeping back. Some of us say being stingy. Do you have a friend that's just stingy, that will not share their french fries Oh, sharing is over here, but being stingy and hoarding is over here. Do you know what hoarding is? It's basically just trying to keep everything to yourself. Anybody remember during the pandemic where people started hoarding things like Lysol? You guys remember that? And what about when they started hoarding Dr. Pepper? That's a sin. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. And what about when they hoarded toilet paper? Somebody said it over here. Now, tonight, I'll let you figure out what the priority in life is. Lysol, Dr. Pepper, or toilet paper. I'll just let you figure that out tonight. But we got to see what happens when people are stingy and they hoard and they keep back. I read a really weird story recently about the Collier brothers who lived in Harlem. I think we got a picture coming up. Who These brothers, who for I think it was 20 years, secluded themselves in their apartment. And they hoarded weird things. They wouldn't go out in the daylight, but they would go out at midnight and walk the streets. And you know what they would do? They would collect newspapers. Old, disgusting newspapers. And, and then they would go out and they would get old pianos and drag it back to the apartment. Do you know that when the Collier brothers, when they clean out their apartment, they actually found a disassembled Model T vehicle in their apartment? Oh, it gets better. They even found the jawbone of a horse. Because they thought that they could preserve their life by keeping back. And by hoarding. It's a weird story because in the end, the things that they were holding on to, the things that they were keeping close, 
actually caved in on top of them and was their undoing. Ironic, isn't it, that the very thing they thought would save them actually became their undoing. And I've come to tell you campers here tonight that you have gifts from God in your life. Some of you have unique talents from God in your life. Some of you have powerful anointings on your life. Amen. But if you do not release those things, they will never do anyone any good. If you choose to hoard, listen to me, if you choose to hoard and keep back the things that God has given you. It will be your undoing. You cannot advance in life or in the calling that God has for you if you become stingy with the things that God has given you. But if God has blessed you with a talent, oh, come on, somebody. If God has blessed you with a skill, if God has blessed you with an ability, He's come here tonight and He's asking you for those things right now. He's asking you. He's asking you to surrender the bread. Surrender the bread. When it comes to living for God and doing the things of the kingdom, we're called upon to do Things that doesn't make sense to the world. Jesus said it like this. He said, if any man's going to follow me. How many of you are followers of Jesus? If any man's going to follow me, let him deny himself. You know what that means? It means tell yourself no. Slap your hand and say no. If you only do what you want to do, then you'll never do what God wants you to do you got to learn how to tell yourself no. Brother Seth preached about it today, but there's just some things that you probably shouldn't have on your device. Some of us have some contacts that we probably should clean out of our contact list. You know, you shouldn't even be connected to them. Some of you have hidden apps maybe on your device. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe you have an app that nobody else knows about but you know about. But I've come to tell you that if I were you, I wouldn't let anything like that keep me back from saying yes to the call of God. If any man will follow me, let him deny himself. And then take up his cross. Take up his cross. Take up his cross. When you pick up the cross of Jesus and you're carrying the cross of Jesus... There are just some places that that cross is not going to fit in. There's some doorways of some parties that you're going to be invited in. If you're carrying the cross of Jesus, you're not going to go to that party. If you're carrying the cross of Jesus and you're trying to hang out with the wrong people, it's just going to get awkward, isn't it? You've either got to lay down the cross or hold on to the cross and follow Jesus. I've just come to tell you tonight that it, God is calling us. God is calling us to a point of surrender tonight. Everybody in this house tonight, God is calling us to a place of surrender where we say yes to the God who made us and no to the world who is trying to destroy us. 
I've just come to preach tonight that God is looking for a young man or a young lady on the Oklahoma district campgrounds who has made up your mind that whatever he asks of me, whatever he wants from me, he can have it. I'll give it to him. Because God has greater things for you tonight. God wants you to go home greater than how you came to this youth camp. And it's time to answer the call of God. Anybody hear the call of God tonight? It's time to answer the call of God. And give God everything. It's time to surrender. To surrender the bread. In our text we find that Jesus and his disciples are in the wilderness. The Bible says that Jesus had been followed into this barren land by around 4,000 people. Everybody say 4,000 people. And they tell me that these people who are following Jesus, he's got his faithful 12. Everybody say the 12. The 12 are there. I need, I need about three people to just run right here. You're going to be, you're going to represent the 12. Wow. Okay, don't kill anybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, all right, all right. You stay, you stay, and you stay. Everybody else go sit down. Everybody else go sit down. I'll involve you in a minute. Hey, I'll tell you what. Everybody who is standing, come over here. You're going to be the multitude. How about that? There we go. Everybody give them a hand. Good job. All right, that's enough. That's enough. We, re- we don't need 4,000. We just need you. So here, here's this multitude, right? And they follow Jesus and his faithful band, his loyal band, Matthew, Mark, and we'll call her Joanna, okay? Matthew, Mark, and Joanna. There was a female disciple, okay? Here they are. Here are the disciples. Here's the multitude has, who has come to the wilderness, and, and they're, they're, looking, they're looking for miracles. You know why? Because they had heard about in chapter 7 in the region of Decapolis where Jesus had healed people. And they heard, listen to me, don't clap yet. Don't clap, don't clap. They heard how Jesus had healed people. And they were amazed and in wonder. They said, well, if he could heal that person, then maybe he could heal me. If he could save that person from drugs, then maybe he could save me. And so here comes Jesus in the wilderness. And he's being followed. I want you guys to follow me, okay? Here we go. Disciples, stay where you are. Don't move. At attention. So Jesus is being followed by this large crowd in the wilderness. Jesus is just walking and they're behind him. Guys, guys, come on, come on. Keep it together. If these are your kids' parents, say something to them. Come on, man. I'm just kidding. Jesus is walking in the wilderness, right? You guys with me? You all right? Everybody okay back there? Man, we got a lot of people walking in the wilderness. And they're following Jesus. They're following Jesus. Because they know that he's got miracles. They know that he's got signs. They know that he's got wonders in his hand. And they're looking for something from Jesus. Let me just stop right here and tell you that you've got people in your school and you've got people in your city and you've got people in your family who are following you because they know that you've got something inside you that's unlike anything else. Oh, they don't even know where the book of Genesis is. 
They don't even know where to find it in the Bible, but they know there's something special about you. They know there's something special about that Pentecostal church who gathers on, on Sunday morning and begins to have apostolic worship and apostolic demonstration and miracles and signs and wonder, and they're just following. I'm going to tell you this. You can either lead them the wrong direction or you can lead them to Jesus. But you, but you're going to lead them somewhere. There are people who are depending. They're, de- they're depending on you. Everybody's a leader. The question is, where are you leading? Who are you leading them to? Is this all right? So the wilderness, it's a dry, barren place, as we know. It's kind of like Oklahoma right now during the junior camp. And so, they're looking for a meal. They're looking for something. All right, you guys sit, stay right here. And so, Jesus turns to his disciples, Matthew, Mark, and Joanna. And he says, I'm concerned about the multitude. Do you see these people over here? Do you see them? He says, I'm concerned about them. The Bible said that he was moved with compassion. Can I tell you? That before you ever feel anything from God, before you ever become anything in God and do anything, listen to me, and answer the call to preach or the answer the call to be a missionary, you got to first feel the compassion of God in your heart for your fellow human being. You got to have love, you got to have compassion. You got to look at the world and saying they're starving, they're looking for something. We've got to give them some bread. So Jesus turns, notice that Jesus didn't turn to the world. They don't have the answer. Oh, I'm going to say it again. The world ain't got the answer. Sin has never been able to create a product that will satisfy the inner craving of mankind. But there is a Savior who said, He that believeth on me as the Scriptures have out of his belly. He's not, he's not looking to the world for the answer. He's not looking to a political party for the answer. He's looking at you. You know why? You guys are the answer. You are the disciples, the followers of Jesus. And he turns to them. He says, I'm very concerned about this group. He said, because if we don't do something, they're going to die in the wilderness. They came to the wilderness looking for something from Jesus, but now the wilderness is about to kill them. The heat is about to destroy them. The thirst is undoing them. And so he turns to them, and the disciples just give him a blank stare. Why don't you give me a blank stare? You guys, you guys are good at this. Wow. You're convincing. Good job. And they just look at him. Jesus is looking to them saying, let's do something about this. And they're just like, oh. And finally, maybe it was Joanna who speaks up and says, Jesus, how can a man satisfy all of this hunger in the wilderness? Where and how are we going to feed the lost in the wilderness? Where are we going to get enough bread? Lord, we called Uber Eats and they don't come out here. God, we asked Siri where the nearest Chick-fil-A is and she said, nada. 
God, we called Papa John's. And they, you're in trouble when Papa John's will not deliver to your desk, to your location. Lord, where are we going to get the means to feed all of the lost, hungry people in the wilderness? And hear me tonight. Listen, listen. While they were looking all around the wilderness, upturning stones and, and looking here in this cave and rolling this log over, Jesus was just staring at them saying, I know where the answer's coming from. It's not coming from the left. It's not coming from the right. It's not coming from the wilderness. But it's coming from the disciples who are in the wilderness. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord if you know you're the answer for this wilderness. I'm going to preach a little bit. You are the light that is in this darkness. You are the salt for a world who has lost its flavor. You are the salt. You are the light. You campers. You're the answer for the wilderness. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Three days, 72 hours since this group had at last had their last happy meal. That's a problem. They weren't just hungry, they were hangry. How many of you know there's a difference between being hungry and hangry? Youth Ministry 101 told me and taught me that you don't want to be in the middle of a hangry crowd. Order the pizzas before the lock-in begins. I'm helping a youth pastor out right now. I feel my help coming. Go ahead and order the pizzas now. I have compassion on them. He said, we don't even know where to begin. And then Jesus turns to them and he asks them that pressing question. How many loaves do you have? You guys begin to talk amongst each other, try to figure out count. One, two, three. And they come back to Jesus and they give him. They said, well, seven. Seven loaves. But Lord, you know, what, what can you do with seven loaves? God, there's so many. That's not what he was asking. He was asking, what do you have? What do you have in your hand? See, earlier that day when they began to pack their lunchbox, or rather earlier that week when they began to pack their lunchbox, they thought that they were just packing their lunch. But little did they know that they were packing the means for a miracle in the middle of a wilderness. And and there was going to come a time when the master asked them, what do you have in your lunchbox? I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're not praying, if you're not reading the Word of God, if you're not trying to be faithful to church... If you're not trying to be a Christian on Sunday night and Monday morning and Friday night, you don't have anything. But if you're trying to live for God, and if you're at this youth camp, you've got something. You've got something in your lunchbox right now that the Lord is asking you for. How many loaves do you have? Well, Jesus, Jesus, they're not like the two fish and the five loaves. Jesus, multitude, you can sit down. I'm going to keep the disciples. Thank you for your help. But Jesus, they're not, they're not like the two fish and five loaves that you used before. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're keeping back your testimony.
What testimony? What bread? What pain? What scar? What wound? God can't use those things. God can't use my hurt. God can't use my dilemma. No, he's going to use that guy over there because he's got two fish and five loaves. I only got seven. I'm going to hide out over here. God, go ahead and use my friend over there. God, go ahead and use Brother Borders. God, go ahead and use my pastor. But you can't use what I've got. And you pull yourself over in obscurity. So, but I've come, I've, I've felt this pressed on me ever since I walked on this campground. Is this all right tonight? Some of you have held back your testimony long enough. You've held back your wounds from God long enough. I've come to preach to you that God wants to begin to anoint your hurt and anoint your pain and allow you to have a ministry that flows out of that place where you only thought that there would be despair and hurt and depression. No, God is calling you for it in this house right now. I'm preaching to an adult right now. You've got a testimony. You've got something locked in your past that God is calling for it because we need it in the kingdom. Somebody clap your hands right now. If you feel the king in this house and you hear the call. Oh, he can't use me because I've been bullied. Oh, he can't use me because I've been shunned. Oh, we can't use me like Brother Seth talked about because I come from a small church. I know what it's like to go to church and there only be five people there in that building. And all five of those people share the same last name as you. Because it's just you, your mama, your daddy, and your two crazy sisters. And when daddy started preaching on sin, it got awkward because I knew he wasn't talking about me. He was talking about sisters, right? God can't, God can't use me. I can't play the piano. I can't sing. I'm not articulate in speech. It doesn't matter, Moses. God's called you for it. He's asked Moses, what is in your hand? Listen to me. Pause on your clapping. Pause on your clapping. I want you to get this. When he called Moses, he didn't say, Moses, what can you do, buddy? What can you go out and accomplish? What can you go and buy? What can you develop? No, he said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, throw. It's a rod. He said, throw it on the ground. In other words, I'll use whatever you got. I'll use whatever ability you got. I'll use whatever you will give me. You keep reading scripture. You keep reading scripture, Brother Borders, and that rod became known as the rod of God. Why? Because anything that's surrendered to the master's hand is going to become the property of the master. And when the master gets it in his, when he gets it in his hand, anything, anything is possible. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. They give it over to him. Subtracted from their life. 
subtracted from their world. Some of you have wondered why that had to happen to you. Some of you have wondered why your parents had to go through a divorce. Some of you have wondered why you had to be abused and misused and mistreated. And why all the negativity, God? Why all the subtraction? Why, why, why? Because there's something that happens when you, when you give over to the master. And you allow him to take and subtract. There, there's power in negativity. I know it's been hard for some of you in your home life and it's been negative. But there's a pattern that before God will multiply, He always first subtracts. He allows negatives to come into the scenario. And so if you've been going through a time of subtraction and negatives, I've come to preach to you, get ready for multiplication in the wilderness. Get ready for multiplication in the wilderness. Because subtraction and negativity always precedes multiplication. Here it is, here it is. I'm almost done. He takes it from them. Who knows how hard they had to work for those slices of bread. Maybe it was leftovers, we don't know. But then, then he takes it and just when you think it's over. I'm going to preach to somebody right now in this house. If you'll lift your hands and just give God thanks in the middle of your wilderness. In the middle of your dilemma, there's a power that's about to come on you right now. Some of you are almost out of your wilderness. That's why you're being fought. Let's stand right now. That's why the devil has been obstructing you. Because he knows like Jesus, your most powerful moment is about to happen when you emerge out of your wilderness. Here it is. Here it is. I'm trying to finish. I'm trying to finish. He takes the bread. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, he breaks it. Wow. God, you you subtracted from my life. Now, Now you're allowing it to be broken. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. We're going to come in a minute. I just stay where you are. Now you're letting it be broken. God, why are you letting me be broken? God, why, why is this happening this way? Why, is, why am I being fought? Is something wrong with me? No. You're not being fought by the devil because something's wrong with you. You're being fought by the devil because something's right with you. And in the moment and in your brokenness and in your weakness, that's when the bread was closest to the master than it had ever been. If you're being broken and you feel shattered, that means you're in the hands of the master. And if you're broken and shattered and I'm talking to you, get ready because there's about to be a miracle happen in this wilderness. 
There's about to be a multiplication. Hear me. There's about to be a worldwide revival sweep over us. Like we have never seen before. It's going to come from the broken pieces that the world has rejected. The left-handed warriors. His name is Dan Scott. Got a picture coming up right now. In 1968, Dan and Joy Scott were appointed as missionaries to Ecuador and South America. They went where the gospel had never been before. You know who this guy is on the right? He's the village witch doctor. They're talking about getting permission to set up the first United Pentecostal Church under his elevated house. Oh, Brother Scott saw witch doctors filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. Next slide, next slide. You know what that is? That's a She's for Christ vehicle now known as Move the Mission. Brother Scott built roads in that region where they had never been before. Got an axe out. Took that cheese for Christ, moved the mission vehicle, and began to carve out roads through the jungles. Next slide. See it right there? They're carving it out. Do you know that they came back later and just put pavement over the roads that he made? Because he was taking the gospel where it had never been. He was answering the call. He was answering the call. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But do you see it? Look, there's bread on that road. Oh, it's there. You can't see it with a visit. But there's bread. Next slide. He rode mules into the jungle. Move the mission, puts wheels on the gospel, and yes, hooves on the gospel. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you see it? There's bread. There's bread behind it. There's bread all around. Oh, you can't see it. But it's there because a long time ago, Brother Dan Scott said yes to the call of God as a West Virginian farm boy. Yes, I'll be the answer in the wilderness. Yes, I'll be the wit. I'll be the witness in Ecuador. I'm done preaching. One more, one more thing. Well, Brother Thomas, what's the problem? You know what the problem is? Next slide. He's 90 years old. He's done his part. He's given his bread. Oh, there was a time when the bread was broken and it's fresh. And he was young and he was vibrant. But he's done his part. He surrendered his bread to the master. And 
I just come on this Wednesday night of Oklahoma Youth Camp asking you and you and you and you and you. Can you give what you have tonight? Can you say yes to the call of the master in the wilderness? Listen, listen, listen. They're going to start playing again. Listen. There's a call to preach in this house. Now, I'm not calling you to preach. Only God can do that. And only you can answer that call if you work with your pastor. But I'm telling you right now, some of you, there's a call to preach on your life right now. Can I get an amen from the adults in this house? They believe it. They believe in you. There is a call for some of you to be P7 missionaries right now. Some of you are going to look back at the year of 2022 and say, that was the year that I was called to global missions. There are North American missionary church planners right now in this house. There are Sunday school teachers being called right now in this house. There are pastor's wives, music directors, artists, and graphic designers, and apostolic doctors, and lawyers, and welders uh, being called. There's a call. There's a call of God in this house right now. I wonder if you want to make your way to this altar area right now. Come on right now. Make your way to this altar right now. If you have heard the call of God. Excuse me. If you've heard the call of God, I want you to make your way forward right now. Come on. Come on. Press in. Some of you already know you're called to preach. Some of you already know what you're called to do. But you might be like me. I was the shy kid at youth camp and I didn't have a clue. But I knew I had a call. I didn't know what it was. So I went home and learned how to play the drums and I played. Before I held a microphone, I held a broom handle. Before I ever preached to a hundred people, I taught a Bible study. Come on, God's calling you. You got a call in this house. There is no question you're called. But the question is, will you say yes? Will you surrender the bread? Come on, there's a deep move of God in this room right now. I need somebody to help me pray. Come on, somebody help me pray. He can never so tumble. Come on, right now. 
We're going to sing in a minute, but right now the only song we need to hear is the sound of surrender. Why don't you just throw your head back right now and let those hot tears begin to flow and say, God, I don't have the details. I don't even know how yet, but I can say yes. Come on, come on, come on. I text Brother Dan Scott before this service and I said, I need you to pray because I'm preaching to the next army. And he said, I will be praying for them. Brother Scott's praying for you tonight that you'll say yes to the call of God. Yes to His will. Yes to His way. Come on, it's the easiest surrender in the world when you say yes to the call. Yes, above all, the call of God in my life. Before I know what I want to be, when I graduate high school, I know what I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to be used in the kingdom of God. Come on, come on. I know you're tired. You're doing so awesome, though. That's it, press. Come on, God's going to begin to take over you right now. God's going to begin to put a calling in every empty vessel. It's going to be filled tonight. Let it be done, God.